New Year communion. Here we are. A passage that um, we read very often at communion time is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, I just wanted to look at it with you again today. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it into pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. We'll stop there for now. We'll continue in just a second. It seems appropriate that uh, we begin our year together by celebrating communion. It, I, I just think it's always lovely when the first Sunday of the year is communion. I, I, I enjoy it myself. It's a time when we can come together, and together is the key. Coming together to celebrate communion and to remember all that Jesus has done for us. You know, all of this, the whole communion thing, it started with Jesus. He was the one that, that uh, when, while he was having the Passover dinner with his disciples, um, what we now refer to as the Last Supper, he's having Passover dinner with his disciples. And if you don't know, Passover is when the Jewish people, it's their celebration, when the Jewish people celebrate and remember the time that the Lord rescued them from slavery out of Egypt. Um, those of you that know, you can look in Exodus and you can see, but they, they, were, they were instructed to put lamb's blood uh, over their doors and across their doorposts, and then the angel of death would pass over them, and, um, and uh, they were set free that night. And so that night, as they celebrated communion, I mean, Jesus and the disciples, there, there's something that started that night. He, he changed the meaning Jesus changed the meaning of this old celebration into something new. And he instructed them. He told them. He said, listen, uh, all you guys and all the followers that are to come, you're to eat this meal, this Passover meal, in remembrance of me. And he doesn't, Jesus very rarely says, do this, you know, in remembrance of me. Like, it's, we're going to read Luke a little bit later too, but you'll see this is one of those times when he says, do this and remember me. And so he is all, you know, he of course is the ultimate Passover lamb. He's the one who gave himself his body and his blood for the saving of money. And we are now, you know, covered. Uh, our doorposts are covered with the blood of the lamb. And we have death passed over us and celebrate eternal life with Jesus. And so he's the ultimate Passover lamb. Now, it, it's really interesting that um, Jesus didn't tell us to remember, like, he didn't say, remember my birth, although we do every year at Christmas, and it's a lovely thing to do. He, but he didn't tell us to do it. He didn't tell us to remember the day that he rose from the grave. 
but we remember it every year at Easter and celebrate that truth. But he did tell us to remember this. He said, remember this. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this and remember me. Remember my body that was given for you. Remember my blood that was, that was shed for you. He tells us to remember this, and it's fairly significant, I think, that he does. He tells us to remember it for so many reasons, but communion gives us this opportunity to worship him by remembering the sacrifice that he was willing to make for our sake. He was the one who became the perfect Passover lamb, not for his sin, but for the sin of the world. We remember when we do this that he left heaven to be born as a human baby. We remember that he became poor so that we could become rich. We remember that he paid for our sins and he took our place on Calvary. We remember that his body was broken and his blood was spilled for our redemption and salvation. We remember that it was him and him alone that conquered death. And now he allows us to share in his victory. All those who believe are adopted into his family and share in his victory over sin and death. Communion reminds us of all of this. We remember that he allowed himself to be shamed. We remember that he could have come off the cross, but gave himself. No one took his life, the word says, but he gave his life. He gave it and, and, so that, and, and went through the most horrible, shameful death so that we could be lifted up. He put himself down so that we could be lifted up. We remember that salvation is through the sacrifice of Jesus. This is what communion reminds us. It reminds us that it's the sacrifice of Jesus that gives us eternal life. It's not a result of our good works. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough. We must have the blood of the lamb over our doorpost. It must be that way. Communion reminds us of all of these things and so much more that we, we could go on. But he told us to remember this. Remember this. Remember my body that was broken. Remember the blood that was spilled. Remember what I have done. Remember what this means. Remember what this means to you. Remember this. And he makes a point to say that to all of us. And then he goes on, Paul says in verse 28, he makes it clear that we need to examine ourselves as we come into a time of communion. He says, make right whatever needs to be made right. Look at yourself. And it's this time, it's this inward look. Communion can be this moment of reflection, of we're together and we're looking, but yet we're looking inside. It's personal too, to see, Lord, is there any wicked way in me? to deal with any unforgiveness that's in my life, to deal with any grudge that I might be holding towards somebody else, to, to give ourselves to Jesus afresh, to express our willingness to obey him, to serve him, to, to give him the life that he has provided us. Every breath we breathe, right? Every eye blink, every day is a gift of God. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice. Every day it's his and we thank him for the life that he's provided. It's a time that we 
humble ourselves. We acknowledge his greatness. We acknowledge our need of a savior and our desire to pledge ourselves to follow him, to honor him, to serve him and to please him. It's a time that we ask for his help, for his strength, for his healing, for his wisdom, for his touch on our lives. It's a time that we recognize that we need him badly in our lives and in everything that we do. Communion reminds us of all of this. And in this time of reflection, he says, examine yourself. And so it's this time of self-reflection that he encourages us to take seriously. He said to the Corinthians, take it seriously, do this. It's a time that we, that we should be honoring the body of Christ and bringing forgiveness and, and reconciliation to the table, unity and not division. There are consequences, Paul says, for not taking this seriously. He says there's consequences for you to take this casual, ho-hum uh, you know, approach to communion. Look at what he says in uh, verse 29, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-nine. It says, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. It's... No one likes to read that, you know, in a way, but this is what it is. This is the truth. And so if we do this without honoring the body of Christ, you know how many times myself or other pastors or anytime you've had communion, people, people will say, hold it, hold it. We want to do it together, right? It's together because we're honoring the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We're honoring our brothers and our sisters. We are, we are expressing that he is our master and Lord. We are one under him, and we want to do everything we can to please him and to keep our relationships right. So we do communion together. It's a unity thing, and there are consequences for taking a casual approach to it. So if you do it without honoring the body of Christ, you're, it says you're inviting judgment on yourself. Um, I'm not into inviting judgment on myself. How about you? I'd like to invite the blessing and favor of God. So I'm into doing it the right way. And so this is why Paul gives us these instructions. See, the Corinthian church was doing it wrong. And you've heard me say this before, but they had turned their time into uh, something that was just irreverent and wrong. Uh, the rich people, it was like they had turned it into a giant church potluck where rich people were bringing food but not sharing it with the, those that were poor. They were bringing alcohol and over drinking. They were coming and, and, and doing this in such a way that it was not honoring the body of Christ. It was not honoring the name of the Lord, not honoring his body or his blood but bringing judgment and, 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 and just evil upon themselves. And he says, listen, this is a time when you are to come together humbly, examine yourself. It's a unity thing. If you come with a lot of food because you have the money, then share your food with those who don't have any, that you wait for others. You don't eat all the food before everyone else is seated. No, you do it together. It's this unity thing. And he was instructing the, the Corinthians to get their act together and to do this. He says, you're inviting, you're inviting judgment instead of inviting blessing. Get this right and do this right. Um, see, they were, they were even like they were eating ahead of each other. 
And it was causing all kinds of hurt. It was causing all kinds of division, all kinds of disunity, all kinds of pain inside the church. And Paul says, it's not right. And look what he says in chapter 11, verse 33. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other, right? Wait for each other. So if you're really hungry, eat at home. Meaning, you rich people, you come in and you're starving and you walk in the door and you eat all your food real quick. You don't share and you don't wait for anybody. And you're not, you're not doing it in a unified way, right? If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourself when you meet together. And I'll give you more instructions about other things when I arrive. So communion is our sign of unity in Jesus as, as our Savior. So it doesn't matter who we were. We're new in Christ. It doesn't matter what we did before. All things have become new. And when we come together to celebrate and to remember the body and the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus, we're to do it together in a time of reflection and in a time of unity. And this is what he says is the, the appropriate way to do this. Look at um, verse 26. Just one other thing uh, that I always find interesting when I read this passage. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. I always find that such an interesting verse. We announce, or some versions will say proclaim, but it's the, the, it's the same thing. We announce or we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So you understand that it's this time of declaration to the world. When we gather together in a time of self-reflection, in a time of unity and honoring the blood and body of Christ and honoring one another, we're announcing the gospel to the world. We're saying we are recognizing that he is the savior, that he paid the price, that there is good news for the world because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's this declaration to the world of the good news of Jesus. That's really what it is. We are declaring the new covenant. We're saying he is become the ultimate Passover lamb. He is the one whose blood is shed. He is the one who gave up of his body for us. We're declaring that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are one family under God, that we're declaring now as we celebrate communion together that Jesus has the power to save. He has the power to change lives. He has the power to do what you need him to do, and we will do this until he comes again. We will declare the good news of Jesus. It is this visual representation of the gospel. When we celebrate communion, we're saying his body, his blood was broken for us, and it was broken for you too. It was broken for everybody, and if you'd find him, you'd discover that he is the Savior and that he can change your life. He, he is the one that can save you, redeem you, and turn you into a new creation. So it's this moment of of it's, it's a declaration of the gospel is really what it is. It's a declaration of, of, uh, of his power to change. And so we do it, by the way, with rejoicing. It's always called a celebration. And I know that there's a somberness to it, of course, because, because of, of what we're remembering and what we're, what we're uh, 
you know, what we're thinking he went through for us. But the word is clear that it's a celebration. It's actually a time of rejoicing. And, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes, sometimes I think that we don't get that right either. That we, we, we don't celebrate. That sometimes it's, it's, it's uh, we feel sometimes this heaviness when we come into communion. Like, we're bad sinners and we have to repent and we... You know, but, and, and, and there's always an element to that, of course, that we just discussed. But the other side of the coin is this. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so we come and say, yes, Lord, thank you. I remember who I was, and I remember what you've done for me. But I celebrate your victory. It, it is a time of rejoicing, of victory, that, it, that the Lamb, uh, uh, you know, has given himself once and for all, and this never needs to be done again. No further sacrifices. The new covenant has come, and the ultimate Passover Lamb has arrived. And we will do this together until you come again. And one day we will gather all together with Jesus at the head of the table. And we will rejoice together. But until that day, he says, do this. Do this to remember me. Do it to proclaim my death. Do it to announce my death. Do it to say there is a Savior for the world and his name is Jesus. Do it until I come again. And one great and glorious day, we will gather around the table with all the saints. And Jesus will lead us in that supper of the Lamb with him sitting at the head of the table. And so we do this, we do this together until he comes again. For until he comes again, the world still needs the good news of the gospel. Until he comes again, the world still needs to be constantly reminded that there is a Savior who can change your life and make a difference in your eternal destiny. And we will celebrate his life, his death, and his victory over over. Uh, over sin, death, and the, and the grave because he is the, on, the one and the only one that can save us. And he tells us, do it. Do it to remember me. Do it until the Lord comes again. One great day, man, we will gather around the throne. But this is like a mini picture of celebration. Do you understand? All the churches today and whatever, whatever Sunday they they celebrate communion together. All of our brothers and sisters across the globe. It is, it, it is a mini celebration of what is yet to come. One great day. One great day. Jesus will be the one standing here. And we will all be gathered around the throne. I think I'm going to be bawling because I won't be able to contain the joy. And look around and see all the people that we've loved. All the people that we've lost over the years everybody is in great shape and perfect every sin is gone every illness is gone perfection is among us and jesus the lamb leads us man whew, i'm into that let me tell you i really want to go to heaven <laughs> not today but but well, I'm okay to go today if that's what the Lord wants. But man, one great day, folks. One great day. Every little gathering of family from all over the globe, from every age, from the beginning of time, we will stand 
and sit around the table and Jesus will lead us. So we will declare, we will announce the saving grace and the victory of the cross that Jesus, uh, that Jesus has accomplished until he comes again. It's a declaration of the gospel and a declaration of the victory that he's won. You've been listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stouffville Pentecostal Church, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.